Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk to you about two movies thematically linked, but one is mainstream and one is cult. I'm very excited as every single episode, and you're tired of me saying that, but guess what? I'm just an excited person, which if you know me is absolutely not true. I'm only excited for this podcast. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let it all out. Uh, this pairing is super great because we are keeping black history month going. Yes. I know it's March and black history month in the U S is technically February, but here's the deal. We should be talking about black history all year long every year because black history in America is American history. And that's something that we're still learning as a culture. So uh, let's, let's talk it up. This is a pairing of black Westerns, which is a long time coming to our uh, media uh, world. And it has been touched on before. We have both a relatively new film, uh, The Harder They Fall, which we'll talk about today from 2022. It's a Netflix film. Uh, starring many people, including the uh, super handsome and awesome-voiced Idris Elba. And then uh, next week, for part two, we'll be talking about Sidney Poitier's first director his directorial debut film, Buck and the Preacher, uh, starring uh, himself and Harry Belafonte, which I'm very excited to talk about as well. These are uh, both almost exclusively or exclusively Black cast Western films, and... Uh, there's just a lot to unpack in this. Um, and there's a, a lot of haters online if you uh, fall dangerously close to uh, the obnoxious white supremacy, you know, dumbasses out there. Uh, so let's dispel some rumors, dispel some misinformation, and talk about these great movies. So, okay. The Harder They Fall. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself because I haven't done that yet on this episode. I'm Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian, and of course, host of Cult of Classic Podcast. With us, we have a longtime contributing founding member, Jeffrey Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Wunderbar. And that actually is high energy for Jeff. Um, mm, that that was, really is. I was basically screeching at the mic there. <laughs> uh, and we also have longtime contributor and my good friend, Greg Johnson. How are you doing, Greg? Doing good. I got my uh, whiskey and schnapps and some type of bitter. So perfect. It's we can western it up. I have um, a broken Starbucks cup full of tea that I brewed at home. Uh, so yes, uh, definitely the mood. Um, but I didn't shower today, so I'm I'm very western. That's very wild west. It is super super. I I you know I could be wearing cowboy boots in the next fifteen minutes. It would just happen. 
All right, so I've been babbling a lot, but uh, The Harder They Fall, it came out, um, actually it came out in 2021. I'm considering a 2022 film because I, I think it actually started picking up steam and was marketed more this year. Uh, and it, it's won several uh, awards across the board. It's directed by James Samuel, uh, who wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. Boaz Yakin having written many films, uh, including, I believe he wrote uh, my favorite Brittany Murphy movie next to Sin City, which is uh, Uptown Girls uh, with Dakota Fanning. And uh, just quite a long list he wrote but Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, another cinema classic. That is a fun flick. That's right, with <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, <laughs> James James Seymour directed uh, has directed a Western before, uh, They Die by Dawn, which is actually what this one was going to be called. Um, that's sort of a, a long short. Uh, I, I suggest checking it out as well. Um, worked in music for a lot of films, soundtracks. I uh, was in the music department for uh, the great Gatsby, the uh, uh, DiCaprio, Baz Luhrmann version. So not not a new director uh, by any means, very talented and definitely had a vision for this movie, which I think we can all put some, put our own spin on. Uh, but the, the movie stars uh, in the villainish kind of role, Idris Elba, uh, which we've mentioned. Idris Elba, uh, probably the hottest name on this movie but that's not saying that there aren't a million other really excellent uh, well-known actors chase dylan uh plays the young lead uh in the opening that then is played by jonathan majors who of course you'll recognize if you see his face you have damon waynes jr in a small sort of cameo role uh that i was like really he's gone already okay and then you have uh, Daniel Deadweiler, who, uh, excuse me, Danielle, who does a great job playing sort of a, you know, she plays the character of Cuffy, who is like an early butch identifying uh, woman in this. And uh, I mean, just the cast is, is really, really excellent and quite lofty um zazie beats plays mary fields she is one of my favorites i loved her as domino in deadpool 2 um she was great in okay Joker. that's yeah. i i was trying to figure out what i recognized her from and that that's she's, it right there <laughs> she's great um fun fact she's fluent in german and did her own dub lines for the german dub which is fun so you can actually go watch it in german on netflix which is a, she is thing. german isn't she like half believe, or something i believe yeah she she's she's got german ties i don't know uh exactly how that worked out but i thought that was interesting and it's always cool when someone truly is fluent and it's part of their you know uh their daily life because you can sort of hear it right i mean they actually sound uh they they sound not stilted or anything it's just yeah. it's, it's amazing i know it sounds stupid to say it's like duh but like, no it's different because in movies a lot of times people are speaking a language that is not their native tongue and you can tell regina king is in it she plays trudy smith regina king from the watchman limited hbo miniseries um as well as a million other movies uh lakeith stanfield plays cherokee bill um and by the way guys these are all these are some of the top black talent in Hollywood. And I recommend if you're on social media, go follow them, go follow their Instagram, go follow their Facebook. They have great stuff. Um, you can catch what's coming, what they have coming out. They all have things coming out in the pipeline. Uh, they do a really good job in this movie. Um, 
I've been talking about how great the movie is. The movie actually has some things that I don't think are great and some things that I think are great. Uh, I enjoyed it overall uh, as a spoiler alert, but uh, there's stuff to talk about. So what is the plot of this movie? Well, the plot is, is that Idris Ilba uh, kills uh, Nat Love's father uh, in the lead character's father in the opening scene when Nat Love is a kid and he carves a cross into Nat Love's forehead and then uh, leaves. And Nat Love becomes a criminal, uh, a, 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 what do you want to call it? A cattle rustler, rob, it's a robber. Just He runs a little gang in the Old West uh, and he's looking for Idris Elba's character. Uh, now Idris Elba's character is in prison, but he is then broken out and uh, Nat Love is hired by a, a, a marshal to get Idris Elba's character, basically. Um, little, little things here and there um, that affect the plot, but overall, it's a pretty straightforward story. Uh, guy's father's killed, guy seeks revenge uh, on, on that. But we get some neat character development from pretty much every character. Rufus Buck is, is the name of Idris Elba's characters. And if you're listening, especially if you're an American history buff or an Old West uh, buff, you're going to recognize these names because they're actually based on real characters with those or real people with those names from Old West history. So what's interesting about this movie is that they took real characters, uh, real black people from uh, the Old West history in the United States and put them in a fictional uh, setting and plot. So it's sort of like uh, produced fan fiction in a weird way because it's like, you know, this is, the, this is somebody's, you know, uh, uh, a, AU alternate universe setup of Old West. You put all these characters together. Um, and what well, I mean, it's strike. It's really indicative of like, you know, classic tall tales. Yeah. I mean, any, like, you know, like a Paul Bunyan story or something like that, you know, obviously Paul Bunyan being a little more fictional than <laughs> a little more fictional <laughs> supposedly i've heard that there actually is a uh, a background to that now do i know the background no no i don't know um i want to mention to rj um i don't know if he pronounced the name siler or, or kyler probably siler but it's jim beckworth the young um quick draw on nat loves group who does a really nice job uh too this is one of those and and eddie Kathigi, uh as bill pickett one thing that should strike anyone hearing these names, these are real people who were black in the old West and they were just as larger than life as, you know, wild Bill Hickok. And, um, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on all the many West Bill, West Billy, Europe. the kid, Billy, the kid. There you go. Um, so <laughs> tombstone Joe, I made that one up, but <laughs> the point is these are real people. Um, in fact, the numbers show that one in four cowboys in what we think of as the old West were black. That's, that's a lot. Um, and so this is kind of, I like this move to include black people in old West films, Western films, which we have seen in more than just this one, this movie. It's, it's progressive in a way that is sort of unwhitewashing the history of the United States. And I really appreciate that. Um, and you know, we still have, you'll still have haters. I actually have really enjoyed looking at the people losing their mind over this movie just like when hamilton came out and they're like well george washington wasn't black it was like well he also didn't rap and he didn't do a stage show so what are you complaining about like this is american history it can you know whatever anyway that's off my high horse to get uh on my low horse and talk about this movie 
let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what were you expecting when you went into the Heart of They Fall? Uh, and what did you get once you saw it? Um, well, I was I was pumped right off the start. Like start, I watched this actually a long time ago when it first came out. Um, a long time ago, like you know, like last year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the end of last year. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, just because I, you know, I saw the cast and I was like, you know, I was super pumped. Um, you know, I know, you know, almost everybody from their previous work, and um, except for Jonathan Majors, which was he was actually the standout for me in this film. Um, mm-hmm personally um you know i i'd seen uh, you know uh, you know zazie beach and lakeith were also in atlanta which i liked a lot mm. um yep uh you know a lot of um uh, you know a lot of stuff from idris although like everybody knows you know <laughs> him at this point and you know yep most Cats. of us want him this to is be... not our first idris elba movie yeah jeez uh, <laughs> i actually didn't watch that one i didn't i didn't know he was in that oh my <laughs> um but yeah anyway so i was really excited um uh and i did i did enjoy the film it has like a lot of like great artistic moments um uh you know there's you know a shot in in fairly early on like where I don't even know. I don't know if it's like a drone shot, um, kind of like a top-down view of um, like horses riding. I, I I thought that was like a really like compelling shot. Do like a lot of like kind of bar, um, uh, which is like kind of classic to the genre. Um, there's mm-hmm. one where Zazie Beach comes out, you know, uh, you know, providing rhythm with like a like a rifle or shotgun, um, and then there's another scene later on where uh, there's a you know, a, a blue painted dancer uh, that's kind of like, I don't know, like a, uh, like an Alice in Wonderland, like welcome to the bar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's almost like luring our um, Zazie Beats to Idris Elba's character. And it's just like really kind of like artistic moments and um, it's like full of that. Uh, the, uh, the only thing that I'd say is negative about this movie, and I think... Um, was the reason I had a hard time connecting with it is there's too many characters. There's there are a lot, so many yeah. people, and like great <laughs> actors, like really truly amazing actors that like you put them in front of the camera, like you know like Regina King like just cutting an apple and like t- telling a story about her sisters, like you know like I'm in, like I'm mm-hmm. uh, I'm connected to it, but um, it, it there's just too much of that. Um, that it, it almost it felt disjointed and not like an entire mm-hmm. film. Um, I can see that. Let's talk about if that Regina King <laughs> scene for a moment because what's happening is uh, Zazie Beats has been um, they they try to essentially pull one over on on uh, on Idris Elba's gang. Um, I'd say Idris Elba. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's obviously not him, but his character's gang, and it doesn't go right. They know what's up, um, so they instead of making a deal with Zazie Beetz's character, they tie her up. And Regina King, who is like the tough character um, in Idris Elba's gang, is carving it, she's peeling an apple in one piece with a, a, a buck knife or a pocket knife of some kind while she's telling this story that's, it's fleshing out her character, but she's trying to intimidate Zazie Beetz. And the story is essentially um, her sister uh, had some sort of physical ailment, I can't remember what it was, and this local 
fat kid uh, made fun of her and and really hurt her or something. Um, and when uh, Regina King's father gets home and hears that this happened, he punishes Regina King's character for not protecting her sister. Um, and then he goes to punish the bully girl and he gets there and uh, everyone's in a hubbub and finds out that her throat has been slit, at which point he realizes the implication is, is that his daughter, Regina King, killed this girl um, when they were kids. Now, I, I think, I mean, the intent is, is that it's supposed to make Regina King's character scary, but it's sort of, I, which, which this is indicative of, of my biggest problem with this movie. Um, and again, I also liked it. I think it's a really watchable movie. It's paced very quickly, but there, there seem to be moments, and I think it's because there are characters, they knew the characters they wanted to put in, but didn't really have the story around it, that we yeah, end exactly. up getting almost these little vignettes that don't have a great narrative impact on the story. Like, it's no, there's no, there's just no tie to what is actually happening. When she tells this story, she's like, and then I got sent away. And you're like, it would be, it felt like the equivalent of when you walk out of a 7-Eleven and it's always a 7-Eleven and there is a person that might be homeless, they might have some sort of assisted living or, or they might just be, you know, uh, high as balls, but they start talking to you in the middle of a thought that you have not been privy to and they tell you a story and the way you have to respond is, well, that's cool, man. Yeah, all right, you have a good one, okay? You have a good one and hope that that triggers the cue for them to move on with their lives so you can move on with your life. It's like that. It was, yeah. uh, and if, if anyone's seen the movie, which we will absolutely talk about on this podcast someday, um, uh, Geely with um, uh, Ben Affleck and J-Lo, where Christopher Walken has a scene as I believe a cop and he comes into the scene and he gives a monologue that is, it is a stroke written down. It makes zero sense. It has nothing to do with anything. I I've watched it so many times and I still have no concept of really what is happening here, but he sells it so amazingly because he's Christopher Walken that you're like, yes, clapping, such amazingness. Like, I don't, I don't, and then you get back to the movie and you're like, wait, what just happened? It was that kind of moment. And we have a few of those. That's the most standout in this one. Um, but I think it's indicative of, as you said, what you were talking about, the, the narrative structure of this yeah, is not like, cohesive like as a whole. Yeah, like there's there's just so many great moments, but like I I never felt like I was going on like this kind of you know journey with through with these characters. Like I was, uh, I was just missing that element of um, kind of like you know here's you know it's just like the protagonist felt all, even disconnected from um, from even his own journey at a lot of times. It was like. You know, he didn't feel um, uh, like, you know, you, he really had like an Inigo Montoya, like, you know, storyline, right? Like it really was that, but it wasn't like, you know, in, in The Princess Bride, like he's like so driven by that and you like connect with him on that, like uh, on, on that journey. But in, in this seems movie, really well adjusted. Felt, <laughs> yeah uh, he seems like shockingly exactly. well adjusted to witness the murder of his parents and the disfigurement of his face and then run an outlaw gang and it seems like he idris elba could his character could just have continued on his way and they never would have met and nate would have been pretty okay yeah um which isn't really obviously what we're saying and again i think it's probably because in the script process 
there's the plot is not what created this film. It was the characters and just wanting them to get together. Greg, what uh, was your expectation going into this movie? Because I know you also saw it before we uh, set this podcast forward. Um, and what was your what did you get from it when you came out? Um, I didn't really have any expectations going back into it. Um, you know, like Jeff, I'd seen it back when it came out, you know, end of last year. Um, and I remember liking it. Um, I, I, I liked it. I think I liked it even more this go around. Um, I thought the action was really good. We talked about the pacing being well thought out, you know, putting the plot aside. Um, because yeah, I mean, and the plot, the plot's very two dimensional. I mean, at the end of the day, one of these two guys is going to kill each other and the rest of them are just kind of spectators to a feud. Um, and you know, collateral to that feud. Um, and uh, sorry, I completely lost where I'm going with that, but yeah, I, I liked it going this time around. Um, Oh, that's what I was going to harp on was the fact that this we I don't think we touched on that. This is a Netflix original film. It is. Um, yeah. And I think that that really showed up in the pacing in the sense that it's a film that they're presuming you're going to be watching while you're doing something else. And so it it's it's pretty fast paced. It's action heavy. There's a lot of like good quips. There's a lot of funny little bits. Um Notably, the like the first time that the the younger guy tries to have a pistol draw with the other dude, and the other guy like you know pretends like he's gonna do it, but then he's just like I'm gonna go have a beer and like walks off, and the guy's like, hey, wait, we were, like we were gonna have this kind of this climactic cliche western moment of we have a yeah. pistol duel, and the other guy's like, nah, like no thanks. Yeah, RJ RJ Seiler as Jim Beckworth uh, is the young upstart trying to. <laughs> yeah. um, trying to have a gun uh, a, a duel with Cherokee Bill played by Lakeith Stanfield and there's and it's and they eventually get it and actually that's probably my favorite scene of this movie when they do get yeah. it near the end um but I think you Netflix so this is interesting because before I saw this movie I actually saw the trailer they ran the trailer in theaters because it did have a theater opening as well although not as long lived and not as wide as obviously the Netflix availability and when I saw it on the big screen the first thing that does scream to you is that in the same way that a TV movie looks somewhat different, and you can't really pinpoint exactly what it is that looks different um, than a theatrical film usually, uh, it is, we know, related to money, right? This movie, it looks good, very good, but it's almost kind of like a, there's something minimalist about it, like a stage play almost, because, and I'm sure that it's the scope of the budget, right? The budget went to the cast, and the budget was probably already not as large as it would have been had they known it would be a full theatrical release from, say, um, Paramount or something like that. And even Paramount, it would have gone to Paramount Plus, you know, Universal. And so uh, it, it changes the vibe of it. And the, the unspoken thing about this, even just from watching the trailer, you get this. And when you watch the actual film, it's even more, we, no matter what anybody says, you cannot ignore the uh, incredible similarities in intended style to Quentin Tarantino's Django with Jamie Foxx. Um, the, the style of gunplay, the explosive blood, the um, non-period camera movements, you know, a lot of Westerns tend, these days, tend to sort of emulate the 70s um, because that was the Western boom, especially with the Italian productions and the spaghetti Western, all that jazz, the Sergio Leone movies. Um, 
And yet this one, like Django, even more so than Django, has a very slick, modern aesthetic. Um, it's not like the a writing. Basil- the writing really, yeah. really separates this from Django Unchained. It does um, because it's not meant. It's not meant to shock you like Django is. It's meant. It's right. meant to be cool in yes in in a kind of an effortless way. Whereas you know any Tarantino film is meant to be cool in a very like isn't this cool? Isn't this it's, neat? And, and I mean, and Django's edgy. Right. Like let's yeah. like Tarantino, despite what you what people say, oh, I don't like or oh I love, he does make edgy films because yeah. no matter what film you're watching, there are moments that make you very uncomfortable. And he's very aware of that and he leans into that. Usually um, someone's saying the N-word. I mean but usually someone's saying the N- usually Samuel Jackson saying the N-word. Um yeah. So yes, uh, that is true. And that is a big issue. And you know, that's a conversation to be had. I mean, it yeah, you you can see, you know, he's given a lot of, he made Jackie Brown, you know, I mean, I think he's probably the only, the only white filmmaker who made a black exploitation film out of a true love for the subject versus out of what most black exploitation, especially by white producers and directors in the seventies was, which was a cash grab. Um, it doesn't mean I don't love many of those films and it doesn't mean they didn't give us some amazing stars of the seventies all the way to now I mean Pam Greer, but it was a money making situation, you know, um, it was the reason the Beastie Boys first went to hip hop. It was that same concept, you know, it doesn't mean we didn't get great things out of it, but let's not be over. Uh, let's not give the too much credit. Whereas Tarantino did it because I think he really did love it. Which now, um, I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, that's another pretty funny bit of the harder we fall that just con- contrasting how they chose to write the film is there's a bit where you know they're they're breaking Idris Elba out of out of the train that he's being held on and the conductor gets out to yell at Regina King and is obviously going to call her the n-word and she shoots him before he can get it out yeah. and then you know the guy rides up and is <laughs> like hey you know he could have he could have said nincompoop and she's like well we're not that either and I thought that was just a good, good just a good nod to you know, I I think that there's a lot of um, I mean I can't think of very many like black western films where there's mm-hmm. not a scene where some white person says the n word. One hundred percent, I absolutely agree. I mean, but I, I kind of like that she she kills him before he can get it out. Mm-hmm. And I like to, I mean, Regina King is a powerful actress in her own right. There's no question, but it's also her character. Um, and actually, even the same as Zadie, Zadie Beat's character, they're not sexualized. It doesn't mean they're not beautiful, but they're not sexualized. You know, uh, Beat's Mary Fields is sort of the saloon girl, yet still, every time she's on screen, it's not a sex play, right? Like it's it's they're they're delivering emotion first and character first. And you know, if 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 they're beautiful, sort of like how people direct Idris Elba. If Idris Elba is beautiful, it's because they're beautiful. It's not because that's how they're acting, quote unquote, right? Um as as my wife always says from theater training, like to sexy is not a verb. Yet we often see women being told, I mean every role Jessica Alba's ever had, right? Too sexy. That's not you know how how you make a good character and it's nice that they didn't have to do that yeah no Um, one's a prop in this one yeah and uh 
the we mentioned you said it right the plot the plot is 2d um in fact it even has this insane and again spoilers guys i don't believe spoilers ruin a movie especially not this one this isn't like a whodunit that has you hanging on everything um you don't know that there's a twist coming which means that it, it may not even be a twist but the twist is hilarious which is uh the fact that idris elba is actually uh Nat loves half brother and he killed his father because his father <laughs> had been an abusive father and you're just it's the most out there cliche moment yet somehow Elba's narration worked for me I, I didn't I wasn't like if it had been any other situation I think I would have been like guffawing and instead I did think it was funny like just from a narrative structure uh you know it's it's a very cliche device but i mean it's a luke i'm your father but you know it's like it, it's it, it worked okay i mean and i guess and i think they kind of had to rely on some sort of stunt like that because the plot does not have enough um it doesn't have enough belts around the barrel right it's going to fall apart no matter well what. i mean i think it had already failed at that point um so it, i don't i don't think that added anything but i don't think it really took anything away from the um the whole whole thing you know it just was like another yeah. another reason for another person to have like uh you know and monologue or almost monologue moment um you know the movies filled not as much as uh ultimate fight which was literally all monologues <laughs> this <laughs> well the harder they fall also doesn't have uh a guy calling himself hitler masturbating in an alleyway yeah so well, you uh, know <laughs> um that's speaking of tarantino i'm just kidding that's not a tarantino movie but i could absolutely see that happening in a tarantino movie um in fact i would love to see tarantino remake ultimate fight that would be brilliant uh anyway yeah so this movie the there and there are a couple of other cliches that I don't really think had to happen. Again, the dialogue and sort of the quippiness that you mentioned, Greg, I think is what saves it from being painful to watch the plot development because you're entertained. The characters are interesting. Um, but things like we get the sort of stereotype fight between the the right-hand people of the good guy and the bad guy, which in this case are uh, the women, right? Um, Zazie Beats and Regina King have their fight together. I didn't really like, whenever you have a fight scene, um, it's always kind of a struggle because you want to have some sort of balance in the give and take of the fight until the resolution, right? Until the climax and one person comes out ahead. And it really didn't feel even to me. Regina King, who despite, you know, we know she's a, a tough character in this, um, Zazie Beats basically gets the shit kicked out of her for the entire scene and then and then Cole Coxer and it just it wasn't um the big like back and forth moment because you really Zazie Beats is an angry character too right like she's less in control than Regina King is of her anger um Regina King's more murderous but Zazie Beats character is more outwardly outspokenly angry right she's always angry when she's talking to not love you know uh, which is her love interest and so i wanted there to be a little more there and it sort of carries through to the climactic moment with idris elba being being beaten in his game essentially and being confronted by not love there isn't really a climax it's a very it's not a loud bang to end the movie it's sort of a quiet um uh, a, a quiet click 
you know? Uh, and I don't, I didn't hate that, but it's, it doesn't leave the lasting impression um, that they could have worked. I think they could have worked this script so that the plot did serve more as an excuse to get these characters together. And, but at the same time, I don't really think that's uh, what they were going for. Um, I think Samuel as director and writer had a vision of showing us all of these cool moments and sort of a style as substance argument. The reason I think that is because this is not only a genre film, it's not only a Western film, it's it's part of the pulp genre, right? Like this is a very pulp fiction movie, um, not a Tarantino reference. You know, it's um, it's blood, it's cool people acting cool, it's mean people acting mean, but also cool. And it's um, quick gunplay. And it's a couple of shock moments or it's really one shock moment. You know, it's, it's meant for that entertainment vibe. And the fact that the educational part of it comes simply in the fact that they're portraying people who really existed. Um, and that's, that is educational for us because even knowing some of these people from history as a Western fan, I did not know uh, and never equated the fact that there were so many people of color in our old west because you do not see it right in in most westerns um i can't think of a single john wayne film that really had a black co-lead anywhere um okay and that's 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 fact so all those things considered i found this movie very watchable and i think we can start to move to the recommendations i do recommend this movie if you like westerns or just action movies that's what this is it's an action movie it has some great um characters and some great moments again i think a lot of the characters uh, are given like buffalo bill um he does a great job being sort of this poetic underhanded character and and that's the like keith stanfield i also feel like maybe he was given a little too much screen time for his own good and that's not a dig on him it's again another dig a little bit on the script it feels unbalanced we see him basically give the same performance several times it's a great performance great character choices and it pays off in the end but until you get there um you're like is it gonna happen now oh no it's the same thing again for another couple of minutes okay and then you go on to somebody else i think there are moments like that that really could have been edited down but again the package as a whole is tight, fast, and you really won't have uh, any complaints finishing it. There's one particular scene, if you don't like violence, um, it's very bloody, but it's not a realistic blood. Um, so I don't know, you know, to me, that doesn't feel the same. Uh, there is a scene where Idris Elba pistol whips um, a former compatriot for like five minutes. Um, and that had my wife cringing a little bit. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a brutal moment. Um, but you know, We've seen worse on this podcast, um, but just as a warning. So I recommend it. I think everybody should give it a shot, especially since you probably have Netflix. There's a lot worse you could watch. And this is an interesting one that we haven't gotten much like, especially if you're a Django fan. Watch this one. It feels like an interesting HBO side series. Um, it doesn't have the emotional impact by any means that Django does. And it doesn't have those incredible, as Greg said, shocking standout moments. Um, like the Mandingo fights or the, uh, the the DiCaprio scene, doesn't have Christoph Gantz, but it has a lot of amazing uh, cast members doing some just really enjoyable work. So check it out. Greg, would you recommend The Harder They Fall? And if so, why and who? Uh, 
Um, yeah, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. I'd pretty much recommend it to anyone. Um, I've seen, like you said, far worse Westerns. Um, uh, <laughs> what is it? Shane, that one comes to mind is just absolutely dry and terrible. Um, but yeah, it's, this one's really smart. Um, the music's great. I think it does a good job of blending more modern music with, you know, this kind of stylized idea of a Western film. Um, like you, like we've said earlier, I mean, it has hints of if, if, if I want to say, if you like Django, see this, but I feel like that's almost too messy of a, of a connection where I don't think there's going to be the perfect Venn diagram merger mm -hmm. there. It's um, just the visuals to me. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And, and I think that's a fair thing. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the music. I can't believe I didn't touch on it. Just to say the music, it is modern, like a Baz Luhrmann movie kind of thing, like the great Gatsby. Um, where they have it's great if you like hip-hop uh little army it's really cool also that's no surprise because um uh my brain is good but jay-z is a producer on it um <clears throat> and also we have uh i mean you have a a music producer in uh in the director's chair but also the music works really well to set up the scenes. And in fact, it actually is considered an integral part when they made this movie, the music cues were in the script. So mm. it, it's, which is, uh, that's very unusual. And, um, you know, it made for some really excellent, well thought out musical cuts. And it made some of the scenes really click in a crisp way that uh, I think you don't, you don't usually get, especially in a movie, um, where or in a genre like a western where you often just had title songs like think of django and then silent soundtrack which is folly work uh and sound effects um one more did, thing oh, oh sorry oh I, I i i did just want to kind of to wrap my my little bit with just um uh i mean we talked about it's a predominantly black cast which is you know it's a nice thing to see for a genre that's been dominated by you know not like just white just white for a long Joey time white men yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah just john wayne upon john wayne um <laughs> but also i mean i think it was really really smart in a lot of other ways um we talked about um was it is it chuffy cuffy yep cuffy played thank by, you um, played by danielle uh, deadweiler yeah who i mean the whole on the second rewatch i this time thought that um they were supposed to be a trans man um just some of the things they say, how they behave, how they react to certain things. I thought that was just, it was just, it was nice to see that the idea of yes, like different identities did exist throughout history, um, you know, to varying degrees of loudness. Um, I also really liked, um, I think this film did pass the Beckdale test. Uh, you had two women that spoke for a length of time, not about a man. And then um, my uh, girlfriend has a new threshold for films called the bitch test, where um, whenever uh -huh. two women fight, well, I'm calling it the bitch test, not her. Um, whenever two women fight and one of them will inevitably call the other one a bitch at some point in the fight. And ever since she said that, it takes me out of so many movies where as soon as that happens, I'm like, <laughs> yes. oh, I'm gone. I'm gone. This movie's <laughs> lost me completely. And this one did not. Um, neither um, Zazie Beetz nor Regina King um, referred to each other as a bitch uh, once in the film, I'm pretty sure. Even when they're fighting, um, Zazie Beetz just gets a nice guttural scream when she mm -hmm. beats her in combat. I'm like, that's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and I again, I can't really say enough about 
Zazie Beetz in this movie. I think she's so underrated. Um, and I think she, I think we'll see more of her if there's any justice. And also Danielle Deadweiler, as you said, playing Cuffy, she does a fantastic job. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. if you want to see, I mean, I want to see more of her. The only thing I can think of that where she gets a chance to really act is the movie, uh, The Devil to Pay from 2019. You can check that out. It's a thriller uh, and she's the lead and it's, um, you know, maybe a little uneven, but it's worth it just to see her get to take the reins uh, as the lead. So I think we're wrapping it up here with you, Jeff. And before I move on to what you think about this movie, uh, I just want to say one other thing. Um, there's this cute, there's a couple of Easter eggs in this movie. You can look them up if you like. Um, but the one that stood out to me is that the train in the beginning is, uh, is the initials and the last name. It's, it's a Bozeman and it's a, a tribute to Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, of course, our Black Panther who passed away. Uh, and that was a nice thing to see from um, the filmmaking community here because it's it's not openly spoken in this movie. I don't think that it's about um, about blackness and about the identity that black people have in this country. Um, but it is a background part of this movie, like the Easter eggs, you know, um, the Idris Elba's character as a villain is making, trying to make a township of his own. And it's sort of this, it's hedged around, but it's never openly said that it's a place where people of color could be. And that would be sort of his goal. Um, and it's that element, it's, it's just peppered throughout. And I think they could have made it stronger, but I, I also respect the decision to not make it a focal point of the movie because um, you want to give, you know, racism in this country an appropriately serious scope uh when you know uh, magnifying glass when you when you talk about it because you don't want it to turn to exploitation uh of people who are already treated so crappily in our society you want to make a film that's sort of just like hey look we're making a movie and it's a good movie and uh you're going to enjoy it and it doesn't have to be um uh you know like a 12 years a slave you know an excellent movie but it, it doesn't have to be that um and i feel that we get that conversation too with um with queer cinema and the lgbtqia world where it's like yeah great you made a movie starring uh a, say a gay or a trans person but why does the whole movie have to be about the fact that they're gay or trans we're people that's one aspect of us and it's nice to see a movie that say has a black cast and can make the message that hey there are black people in this country who built this country and at the same time, we're making a Western action movie, right? Like we can do that and enjoy that. Um, and, and it doesn't rely on any of those other elements necessarily. So Jeff, you're going to wrap us up here. Do you recommend The Harder They Fall? Uh, and if so, why and to who? Yeah, so I, I definitely recommend this. And to go back to what Greg said, like the second watch, I think is better. It was better for me. It was better for Greg. I think it's just uh, the first time I watch a movie, I'm I'm always looking for like an emotional journey. I want you to make me excited about the characters or something, like make me connect to it, and then you know take me through the whole thing. This movie doesn't do a great job of that, but uh, it really has a lot of great moments, a lot of great acting, um, and that's really what you look for, at least for me, on like the second or third viewing of of films is, uh, you know, just these. Um, great actors and actresses that just put a camera in front of them and entertain me, you know? 
Um, and that's really what what this uh, this movie has. So go watch it and then watch it again. Um, that's <laughs> uh, that would be my suggestion. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, this is one that I'll be revisiting in the future. It's, it's a fun fun flick, and I I like seeing everybody involved in it. And that's it for this first part of our Black Western series here on Colton Classic Podcast. Again, keep Black History Month going all year long, every year. And we're going to continue that here next week with part two of Black Westerns with Sidney Poitier's Buck and the Preacher from 1972. Please, please, please write a review saying you like us because you like us because otherwise you wouldn't listen to me babble all day. And go ahead and send us recommendations, questions, hate mail, uh, all sorts of things to Colton Classic Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Colton Classic Podcast, Facebook.com uh, slash Colton Classic Podcast. And you can view our episodes, which I am ever so slowly getting updated on video on our YouTube channel, Colton Classic Podcast. So please support us. We love you. We support you. And catch us next week for part two of Black Westerns on Colton Classic Podcast. To play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.